Hello, everyone. It is announcement time here at church. Countdown's going. You got your coffees. The lights are, are, you know, down a little bit so you can drink your coffee and, you know, maybe spill some on your shirt. And then you have to change your shirt uh, by purchasing one at the Keys Vineyard Church Merch on the app. I'm just kidding. Don't. Well, I mean, go ahead. Buy one right now. But uh, don't spill the coffee, okay? It makes a giant mess. Don't want to do that. Anyway, announcement time. Hey, coming up this month, it's on March 15th, we're doing another Night Watch. That is a great night of ministry and prayer. And I'm just going to confirm that that, yes, March 15th, 6.30 p.m., night of worship and prayer. It's a great night of ministry. You'll get prayed up. You won't want to miss it. Also coming this month on March 29th is another jam night. We always have a great time. Everyone's welcome. If you play an instrument, bring it. If you just want to sing, bring that too. If you just like worship, come on. We always have a great time. That will be March 29th at 6.30 p.m. Also, be looking forward to Easter coming up. Resurrection Sunday is on the way April 9th, April 10th. That's going to be a big, big weekend. April 8th, April 9th. Edit that out, okay? April 8th, April 9th. Got lots of numbers all over the place. There'll be a Saturday night service. We always do our three on that Sunday morning. And on Easter Sunday, April 9th, there will be a sunrise service, 6.30 a.m. And that's, it's, it's early, but we're there. Digital sunrise, indoors, air conditioning, best of both worlds. Can't miss it. We, we've got an update. Hardly hardly any bugs Easter sunrise. There, there's no mosquitoes. Yes. It's a mosquito-free sunrise service. And, and none of the no seams either, which is a win. you got to have that. So do that, download the app, and let's get ready for church. Woo! Hey, those of you joining us online, welcome. Glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop into worship. We had a great early morning, so looking forward to spending this time with you. Then we're in our series, The Questions Jesus Asked, looking at a great passage out of Luke 24 today, uh, and the question is, what were you discussing as you walked along together? So get ready, get some coffee, get comfy, because here we go. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, family. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. I hope you're enjoying some coffee so I can live vicariously through you. On Sundays, I drink like a ton of water. Well, I mean, every day I do. But Sunday mornings, because I wake up so early and then I have to sing right away, I have like this giant cup. And I fill it up as soon as I wake up and I drink it in like 15 minutes and I'm still thirsty. So like, where does it go? I don't know. But um, enjoy your coffee. I'm going to tell you what we're attempting to do this morning. Um, if all the technology wants to agree with us, we're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a minute. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina is going to come up. And she will lead the kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We're in the questions Jesus asked, part nine. And it was really good. Looking forward to you all digging in. But before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we thank you for the privilege of gathering with our brothers and sisters to celebrate and worship you. We thank you for blowing a new wind into us, 
for stirring our hearts up. And as we focus on your face this morning, help us to set aside our distractions and our worries because we want to see your face more clearly. And Papa, as we gaze upon the perfection of your face, we ask that you would transform our hearts to be people who love like you love so that we can bring one more lost kid back to you. (laughs) We thank you for your great love for us, God. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, you know that we have no power of our own to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt our souls. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion, or the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord, the table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship and I'd just like to encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We'll see the words show up on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. He turns graves into gardens. i 
truly great, I think you are my dearest friend and lover of my soul, Jesus. Oh, this is my desire.
you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence, God. You're good to us, Lord. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You're so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, why don't you come up and teach the kids a Bible verse? In case uh, people don't know why we keep cheering for Pastor Georgina, it's not like she's not really special, but she, she's been out since Christmas, and uh, we're, happy her, we're happy to have her back, and, and so we have a little first Sunday back. everyone. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. I've watched you online and seen what good listeners you have been. So proud of you. Yeah. So in our Bible story, we are leaving all of our lessons from the Old Testament, right? We're saying goodbye to that. But we have to remember, right, that we leave. I'm so sorry. Hello, sir. Thank you. That we leave, right, God's people waiting for the Messiah. And today's story is from the New Testament, right? And we know that all the stories from our Bible, right, are true. And our story comes, you can find our story in three books in the, Old, in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Luke, and John. And I know that as I tell you the story, you're going to be like, oh, I know the story. Okay? So ready? Our story begins with a young girl named Mary. And she is engaged to be married to Joseph. Right? And guess what happened? One day when she was doing her own thing, an angel appeared and told her, you are going to have a very special baby. And he explained that the baby was going to be God's son. Amazing, right? And then another angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the, the angel told Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby is was put there by the Holy Spirit. And you are to name that baby Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Well, while she was still pregnant with baby Jesus, the ruler said, I want to count everyone that lives in my land, right? So he ordered everyone to go to their hometown. So Joseph took Mary to Bethlehem, right? And while they were there, guess what happened? It's time for the baby to be born. That's right. But guess what? She couldn't find a place for them, right? They couldn't find a place. Everything was full. So they finally found a place where the animals are. And Mary had her baby. 
And Joseph named him Jesus, and then Mary wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, right? And then another amazing thing happened. That same night, while shepherds were watching over their sheep in the fields, an angel appeared to them. I know. And then a bright light shone all about the shepherds. I know, isn't it amazing? And they were afraid. But right away, the angel told them, do not be afraid. I have good news for you. The Savior has been born, right? And then the angel told them, go find him. You will find him wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. And guess what happened? A whole bunch of angels appeared, right? And they started to praise the Lord. And they said what our Bible verse is from Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. I know, it was so amazing. Then the shepherds went to find Jesus and they found him and they told everyone about it. Jesus was born, right? And Jesus was not like any other baby. Jesus is God's son. God sent Jesus down to earth from heaven, right? And Jesus came to save us from our sin. Isn't that wonderful? I know, so great. Okay, so you guys ready to do the Bible verse? We're all going to say it together. Repeat after me, okay? Ready? Luke 2.14. Glory to God God. in the highest heaven heaven. and on earth earth. peace to those those. on whom his favor rests. rests. (gasps) Fantastic job, guys. So good. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then Pastor Georgina will pray for them and they can head off to Children's Church. Uh Uh-oh. Here you go, baby. Good job. Some good-looking children. There's a little guy running around out there I had to go and say hi to. So cute. No, don't everybody get up. He, like, just started walking and he's... Alright guys, are we ready? Okay, so now we're going to talk to the Father, right? Who loves us so very much. So what we're going to do is close our eyes. Let me see your eyes closed. Good job. And bow your head so that we don't get distracted. Alright, good job. Father in heaven. Oh, we're so grateful to you, Lord God, for our children, Father. We pray, Lord God, that they will know Jesus, Lord, as their Lord, as their Savior, Lord, the one that is always with them and for them, Lord God. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Excellent job. Go have fun. Have fun in Children's Church. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. Listen to your leaders. Learn well. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. I was telling the group at eight, Georgina was out since like the second week of December with a, with a back issue, and it was like a little bit of the sweetness was gone when she wasn't here. So we're getting our Georgina tooth. Then I, already, I said, well, I'm sweet enough Which for everybody. Which is ridiculous. Which you all know. I exude sweetness. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome, those of you online. Glad to have you with us. Welcome, everybody here. Happy to have you here today uh, as we celebrate Jesus together. Very cool, all that. If you're uh, in the room and you're a first-time guest, if you point your smart device at that, you'll get a link to our digital connect card name, phone number, email address. We'll send you a number of texts and emails over the next four or five weeks, and then it will decrease greatly. We also have gifts for all first-time guests back at Guest Services. If you didn't get one on your way in, stop by on your way out. They have a lovely gift. Also, in March, every year, I don't know, last 10 years now, we do a thing called the One More Offering, special offering. People, we started it because people would always ask, is there some sort of project or something that, you know, above everything that you normally do that you would like us to get involved with or pray about? And so we decided we would do this. It's a we videotape, it's five minutes, just under five minutes, got to try and keep it easy. And then all I do is ask you to please go watch a video and then pray. And that's good. If you're praying about all that stuff, it's really cool. Uh, but watch a video, please. And if you point your smart device at that, it will toss on the video and you can go watch it later. Okay? So it'll be right there in case you're having trouble finding it. That's that. We always pray for our neighbors right here uh, at this point in time of the service to uh, encourage you to do what we've asked you to do every day. Pray for the people who live around you. This is easily one of the most important ministries that all of us will engage in and one that everyone should be engaging in. And so pray for those people who are around you. So get a couple of them in your mind's eye, if you would, and we'll go to the Lord. Uh, Papa, we lift our neighbors up to you. And God, we ask that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. That you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. And help us, God, to be good neighbors and to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're continuing on in our series, The Questions Jesus Asked. This series is all based on the... uh, Understanding that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus asks lots and lots of questions, over 300. They're a teaching tool. And what I want to suggest to you is that you can, your, your relationship with Jesus will develop as you hang out with these questions. Most of them are open-ended, a number of them, which means you can continue to press in and look at them. And so I've encouraged you to be making a list uh, and read through the Gospels in this series. Uh, and make a list of all the questions or highlight them. Do something with them so you have it at the end. It'll be a great resource for you. If you've been keeping up with us this week, you would be reading from Matthew chapter 1 through Matthew chapter 6. You're looking for about 13 questions. And then during the message, what I do is kind of show you what it looks like to hang out with a question. And, uh, and then you can develop that as you go. So that's what this series is all about. We're in Luke 24 today. Uh, great question with Jesus asking the two disciples, what are you talking about as you walk along? So get ready for that. Uh, before we do that, I got to do the bad jokes. Um, really? We could skip it. They, there would be a revolt. Okay. That's what you think. Go ahead. We were out of town a couple of days, so the jokes were worse than normal. Oh, man. I got a haircut on Friday, which is true, and uh, that's where this came from. What do you call a line of men waiting to get haircuts? A barbecue. (laughs) These two are worse, but I like them. What do you call a bundle of hay in church? Christian Bale. (laughs) Wait. What's it called when Batman doesn't go to church? Again. Also. Christian Bale. 
Very good. Pray dear. for us and lead us in the you reading of the word, so please. so hard at that. The message definitely makes up for those jokes, so yes. not to worry. All right. Let's, let's switch a little bit here, take a beat, and press into Papa, and then we'll read the word together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Father, you are so, so good to us. We ask right now that your kingdom would come again in our lives, that it would just break through the darkness and break through the, the barriers that keep us from you, Father. I thank you that it's through brokenness, Lord, that you come and you minister to us. Thank you for hearts that are humble, Lord, that seek your face and love you with all their heart, like water from our hearts. May we pour it out to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. And this is the road to Emmaus. I love this passage of scripture. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this has happened. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can sit. Okay, so great question. What are you talking about? And the passage is just amazing. This whole passage, there's so much going on. And I want to, in our short time together, I'm going to connect two things. I don't normally encourage you to do this, but that bar that's up there right now, that code will give you all of the scriptures in today's verse. You're going to want them this week because I'm going to leave you with some stuff that I really want you to look at. Because in this message, we're going to talk about the seven feasts of Israel And we're also going to talk about a thing I love called Supper to Supper to Supper. We're going to make some really cool connections in the scripture. And uh, you you just kind of need to hang out with them if you can this week, all right? So this story is uh, after the resurrection. And uh, the disciples don't know what's going on yet. These two especially don't know what's going on. And... uh, they're, they're walking away from Jerusalem. Now, it's two disciples. One is named. His name is Cleopas. The other one is not named. And what I will suggest to you, uh, and what I believe in, we'll make this tie in at the very end, that this is actually Cleopas and his wife. These are the disciples. Uh, and um, what's happened is they have gone to Jerusalem because they were convinced that this was the time when Jesus makes this triumphal entry. This is the time that he's going to set himself up as the true Messiah in a way where he defeats the Romans and reestablishes the kingdom of Israel. Remember last week, we had that discussion as we talked about the kingdom and the now and the not yet, that 
at this period of time, Israel is waiting for a Messiah. Prophetically, the time is right, and they know it. And there's a lot of scriptures that point right at that period of time, historically, for Messiah to come. And these disciples, they'd seen Jesus. And he was doing the Messiah stuff. Everything that was in Isaiah. People were being healed. Um, the, the deaf could hear. The blind could see. The lame could walk. All of this is going on. And all of them thought that what Messiah was going to do is reestablish the kingdom of Israel. That's what they were waiting for. To them, that's what Messiah did. No questions asked. So they've gone to Jerusalem to be a part of this in history. But that's not what happens when they go. The, the opposite actually happens. While they're there, Jesus is arrested. He's beaten. He's tortured. He's crucified. Which was how the Romans dealt with they, there was other people claiming to be Messiah during this time, quite a few of them. And this is how the Romans stopped them. Uh, and they'd been quite successful. They crucified them. Very shameful, public, humiliating thing. And that's what they did with Jesus, thinking that would take care of that. He was taken down from the cross. He was placed in a tomb. And the stone was rolled over it. That's what Cleopas and his wife understood. And that's where they were at. And so all their hopes, all their expectations, everything they were expecting from Messiah dashed. And, and so they hang around in Jerusalem for a couple of days and they think we should just go home. And that's what they do. They start heading home. No need to stay in Jerusalem. Nothing to see here. Nothing's happening. Nothing that we expected. Just sort of get yourself in that spot. Uh, and, and that's where they're at. And they decide to leave Jerusalem. And here's what's really cool. So when you can, when you're hanging out in the scriptures, this is something that amazes me. So they're walking home, dejected. Jesus, this is resurrection day. Jesus, and, and he shows up to these two disciples who are dejected. And I kind of chuckle to myself and I think, you know, resurrection day, Jesus was probably pretty busy. He just defeated sin and death, you know, and, and overcome everything that needed to happen. And yet he takes time to go and walk with these guys for a while. It's a seven mile journey because they're not okay. And, and it to me speaks of the heart of Jesus. Then you're never alone, right? I mean, there's some powerful stuff going on with that. But that's where the story picks up and it, it you know, it starts with we had hoped. Uh, and, and Jesus meets us in that spot. And, and we'll pick up the action in verse 20. But already this happened is, you know, um, Jesus asked them, what were you talking about? And I love the Cleopas response here too. I think it's hilarious. He looks at Jesus and says, are you the only one who doesn't know what's been happening? And you got to get how funny that is because he says that question to really the only one who knows what's happening. <laughs> and he has no idea what's happening. But that's the story. I love it. And so he's trying to tell Jesus what's going on because they don't recognize him right away. That's resurrection body kind of stuff. If you watch, when when Jesus appears post-resurrection in his resurrection body, they sort of know, but they don't know. And they usually have to hear him or kind of hang out with him. And then, oh, it's Jesus. All right. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. So, and they'd heard some things about, they went to the tomb and couldn't find Jesus, but they, they just had no clue what was going on because they didn't understand that what had happened had to happen. See, crucifixion and resurrection had to happen. That's what Jesus had to do when he came the first time. He was inaugurating the kingdom. Jesus has to come and he takes the pain and the suffering of the world and he deals with it. Jesus had to come to an experience, the lowest point, death, defeat it, defeat sin, and then rise again so that we could be set free. 
And that's what he does. And we talked about that some last week. It's the inauguration of the kingdom. He's coming back when he'll consummate it. But boom, he had to deal with that. And, and they just couldn't, they had no reference. They had no sort of place to think about that. And Jesus is going to speak into that right now. And what he's going to tell them uh, is that he's the fulfillment of Israel's scripture. And so what you need to know, particularly about the Old Testament, because so many people uh, want to give it to the Old Testament, doesn't matter. The Old Testament is crucial to everything that we do because we find out what's going on in the New Testament because of the Old Testament. And God's plan of reconciliation, redemption is all through the Old Testament. And it's all pointing towards Jesus. I want to be careful I say that because people say, well, is everything about Jesus? Well, no, there's dietary laws and stuff. You'd have trouble making that point right at Jesus. But the overarching theme of the story, all the way from Genesis 3.15 to the the point of we pick up the New Testament, it's pointing at Jesus, and you can look for Jesus in it. So uh, here's the rest of the story from Cleopas. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. Couldn't find his body. And they came and uh, told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. We'll be talking about that at Easter. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as a woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He says to them, this is now Jesus, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's not being mean to them. He's just saying, listen, this has to happen. Everything that is going on is there for you to see in the Scripture. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And so he's pointing them back to the Moses, uh, to beginning with Moses, which is when he says Moses, he's talking about the first five books, the Torah, because that's who we you know, wrote those for us. And then the prophets, which is minor prophets, major prophets. All of them talk about Messiah coming, and some of them are really focused on what he did the first time, but there's others that are focused on What's going to happen when he returns? And so Jesus is saying, it's all in there. You just have to take a look so that you can see it. And he explains to them what was said in all the scriptures, which would be the Old Testament thing, concerning himself. I've often said, I hope that sermon is recorded somewhere. So that, I mean, we can find, we can read about it and get it. But as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now there's a connection there to the Last Supper we're going to explore in a minute. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Uh, And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and open the scriptures to us. They, they oh man, they, they had some idea, but then they, but no reference for how we saw him dead, buried. How, how could he be here? But he's here. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, which means they booked it seven miles. Again, big deal at night, but they were pretty excited. And there they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord is risen, has appeared to Simon. Uh, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So, all that's cool. That's the story that's going on. Now, I want to make two connections for you. uh, And one is about the seven feasts of Israel. And the other is we'll call supper to supper to supper. It's all triggering off Jesus um, breaking bread with them. And what happens at that point in time? It recalls a lot of things. So the first thing is very cool here to me is that Jesus picks on purpose Passover for all of these events that we're reading about to begin. 
And Passover was the first of seven feasts that Israel was commanded to celebrate every year. And when you see why in a moment, you'll see how cool the Bible is. Each one of these feasts is a, is pointing directly at Jesus, Messiah. And um, the people of Israel would have celebrated these things every year. Year after year after year after year. And the idea was that when Jesus arrives and starts to fulfill them, they would get it. <gasps> it's Jesus. And some of them do. Uh, as they see what's going on. But the seven feasts of Israel, uh, that, you know, we're no longer under the same admonition that they were, but they had to celebrate these feasts, um, and they start with Passover. And, and the seven feasts are, are Passover, unleavened bread, early first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, judgment, and tabernacles. Those are the seven. All seven are recorded in Leviticus 23. So if you were a good, uh, Israelite, you knew by heart, Leviticus 23. You might not know the rest of it, but you knew that one. Everybody knew that one. And uh, because in it were the seven feasts, and, and the first one, Passover, is the, gives you the timeline for the rest every year, which was important to them because if they missed number six, they were out. That was crazy. They had to hit number six. Uh, it's still a big one today, Rosh Hashanah, right? It's, it's, you get kicked out if you don't make that one. So you needed this uh, time frame to uh, understand what was going on. And so the first one starts in Leviticus uh, 23, and let's read that real quick right here, beginning in verse 5. The Lord's pres- uh, Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. So that's when, and from there, you can find the date for all seven feasts. This is a quick aside, but it's fascinating. So they use a lunar cycle for everything back in the Old Testament times, instead of a solar one. Uh, and they do that, because so it's a 28-day cycle. Uh, lots of things in, in the world are 28-day cycles, because God created everything, and based on what's happening with the moon. And the reason for that is, uh, if you practice, you can look at the moon and pretty much figure out what day you're on. You can't do that with the sun. The sun can kind of give you some help with what time it might be in the day, but if you look at the sun too intently, you go blind. So don't do that. <laughs> But the moon's okay. And, and so they could figure out what night. And so they knew this was happening on the 14th day of the first month. No, not calendars or anything. There's, oh, there's the moon. 14th day. This is it. Passover would be the first one that they celebrated. Not a big description in Leviticus 3 of Passover. We'll look at Exodus 12 in a minute and we'll catch that because they had just celebrated their first Passover. And what was Passover? And Passover, remember, is what happened at the end of the ten plagues. It's the tenth plague, and God is rescuing his people from slavery and bondage in Israel, uh, in Egypt. And he's going to rescue them, and each plague is big G God defeating a little E Elohim and putting them in their place. The last one is this uh, plague of the firstborn, if you would. Uh, and um, the people of Israel are to take a lamb and slaughter it, and they take that blood, and they put it over their door frames, and when the angel of death comes, they're passed over, and their firstborn are all saved. That's Passover that they're celebrating, all right? So uh, let's, let's look at the passage now in Exodus uh, together, and we'll see that, and we'll see how Jesus fulfills this one. Exodus 12, 5 through 7. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and uh, you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they're to take some of the blood, put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. 
So this is, when you, if you go back and read that, they actually have to take these perfect lambs and they bring them into their home for a couple of days and everybody gets attached to them. You know how it's like, your lambs are cute. Like, uh, and, and so it wasn't going to be easy then, to, that, but sacrifice isn't easy like this, right? And it's a big picture of who Jesus was. So in the New Testament, we read that Jesus is this perfect lamb, John one twenty nine. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in uh, the Last Supper, Matthew 26, he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus is fulfilling perfectly Passover. He's coming as the Passover lamb. And what we do is just like the people of Israel, we're not taking the blood of Jesus, we're applying it on our, us, so to speak, and, and the angel of death passes over us. That means when you come to know Jesus, your eternal life has begun. This shell's going to go at some point, but you're, you've begun your eternal journey. It's really cool. But Jesus perfectly fulfills to the day Passover. The perfect lamb. Well, what else does he do? Because there's seven of them. Well, the next feast actually happens the next night. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Bread. We've done a lot of series in here on bread, right? We did one just before Christmas. Uh, and uh, in Leviticus 23, on the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Festival of Unleavened Bread begins, and for seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. So in the New Testament, you can connect Jesus to bring the bread of life. John 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus is taken from the cross and he's actually put on the, in the tomb at the beginning of unleavened bread. So he's put in the tomb at uh, sundown of Passover, which is the beginning of the 15th day. Remember, this is a very helpful thing when you're looking at Bible and trying to figure out days. Their days start at sundown. Not like us. Midnight. If they don't, that's not when they start. Boom, sundown. You're in a different day at sunset. And so Jesus, the bread of life, perfectly fulfills the unleavened bread. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. What else does he do? Well, he's Jesus. He just keeps going. The third festival is called First Fruits or Early First Fruits Festival. Uh, It was the very celebration of the very first early harvest of the year. And it would be celebrated um, the day after the Sabbath. So, uh, you got him going in on Passover night, Friday night. Uh, they have to celebrate Sabbath, which starts Friday night, takes all day Saturday. Sunday morning uh, is the first fruits festival. Here we go. Leviticus 23.10. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land uh, I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest, and he is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, uh, so it will be accepted on your behalf, and the priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. So the priest would take it, and he'd wave it, and it was a celebration, pretty big deal. Whoo! First early harvest, thank you, Jesus. Well, what's happened? Well, just as he did with Passover and unleavened bread, Jesus perfectly fulfills this. Paul tells us, look, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all we made alive, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits. I mean, he points it out. He's not, he's not making us guess. Christ, the first fruits. And then when he comes, those who belong to him. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. We're waiting for that last verse. That's what's not happened yet, but he's coming to do that. But so he perfectly fulfills early first fruits. He even presents the little wave offering. 
And you go, well, where's that? Well, there's this crazy passage in Matthew 27 that most people ignore because it's very hard to explain. It is. And so we read it and we don't read it because we do that with passages we don't understand sometimes. Uh, Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. He dies on the cross. From the top to the bottom, the earth shook, the rocks split. We, most of us have heard that. And the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after the after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. That's in the Bible. That's crazy, right? I mean, can you? And it doesn't. That's the, all the play it gets in the Bible. I would think it would get some more, because that's that's wild, man. Five hundred holy people. Woo! What is that? That's Jesus doing this. Here it is, your wave offering, God. Woo! We don't know what happens to him. That's pretty cool. Perfect. Three feasts out of seven. Nailed to the day by Jesus. Feast number four. Pentecost. Fifty days later. Guess who fulfills that one? Holy Spirit. Jesus went. Sent Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes. Pentecost is a harvest festival too. What happens when Spirit comes? Peter preaches. Thousands are added to the Lord. The church takes off. It's another celebration of what's going on. What's left? Trumpets, judgment, tabernacles. Trumpets, that's the one we're waiting for. That's the end of the harvest. I do terrible trumpet. I got to work on that. I need to work with a tech team and have that ready to go. I get, oh, that's going to be trumpets. Judgment. People worry about the judgment one. Let me tell you this quickly. This is a quick extra. Uh, You don't have to worry about judgment. Jesus took your judgment. When you get to heaven, they're not going to show you a videotape of all the mess that you did. they just show you, they'll look in the book of life and it'll be like, your name's in it. Woohoo! And you'll be like, thank you, Jesus. Not so much for people that don't know Jesus, but that's... And then tabernacles. We talk about tabernacles all the time. Tabernacle means the place where we dwell with God. It's a heaven and earth connection. That's what's coming. All that's coming. But because he's of the seven, Jesus has perfectly fulfilled Jesus and Holy Spirit. Four, guess what you can count on? The mother three are happening. Just a matter of time. Grace and mercy until trumpet. That's why we're waiting on trumpets. God is full of grace and mercy. He wants everybody that can to get in. But get ready. Boop, It'll be better than that, I promise. <laughs> Lastly, I'm going to go four minutes long. Because you need to check this out. Because this is so cool. And you, I, I don't want to leave you out of, out of uh, chapter 24 here in Luke and not connect supper to supper to supper. Because it's significant when he breaks that bread with them. At the end of Luke 24, when he was at the table, verse 30, with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to him. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So let me tell you why I think it's Cleopas and his wife. The main reason for me is it's a couple, is that the story is, calls you back to another couple and another supper thousands of years before. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Don't blame Eve for this mess. Adam was right there. The scripture is pretty clear about that. It was a joint mess that went on, all right? And, and that supper, if you would, is the beginning of the mess 
that has taken over the world. It's, it's the fall. That's the beginning of sin. It's, it's uh, everything that, that comes in life that's hurtful uh, is, is all because of that moment, all the suffering of humanity that we witness, all the tears, all the bloodshed, all the sickness, all the illness, all the cruelty, uh, everything that, that is hard in life, can you can trace back to that moment in time at what we'll call that very first supper. And, and look at what happens there. She took, she ate, she gave. She took, she ate, she gave. That's how that's described. Those three verbs describe the fall of all mankind. Well, make this connection. When we come to the New Testament and we look at the next supper, which would be Passover supper or the, you know, the last supper that we celebrate, look at what Jesus says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. He takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and says, this is my body. Take, eat. You need to see, he's using the exact same three verbs to undo all of the mess. The, the very um, words that took us in to the end and, you know, this big mess that we're in. Now, Jesus is using that same idea, take, give, eat, to restore Everything. The way that we fell into sin is the way that he restores us. It's so cool. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus in the New Testament is often referred to as the second Adam. So, so Jesus is just restoring everything in this process. He's correcting all of the mess that happens at the fall, and he does it so beautifully. So that supper to supper. Now this last supper, this one in Emmaus, this other thing that's really cool that happens, and we go back to the first supper in order to catch it, Genesis 3-7. The eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they take, eat, give, and their eyes are open, and all of a sudden, because the fall happened, they're just filled with shame and guilt, and they have to hide. That's what happens, right? They're just aware of this mess that's going on. Look at the Emmaus Road Supper and see if you don't see something cool. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. What's different here is at the, at the first supper when they've done what they shouldn't have done and when they partake of that meal and they, they, all the mess starts, all they can, they experience shame and guilt. They have to hide. But now that Jesus has come and he does the same thing and is restoring everything, they're no longer experiencing shame and guilt. They're being restored, redeemed. They don't have to hide anymore. And all of a sudden it's Jesus that's not in their side. That's the beginning. It's a picture of redemption and reconciliation that you have to see. They don't, they're no longer consumed with shame and guilt because of the way Jesus has restored things. And so that's a really cool picture. And I want to encourage you to go hang out with that picture. So I hope you got all those verses. I went really fast. I know. Somebody said you're talking fast. I said, I'm putting like 40 minutes worth here in 25. It'll be online. You can change the speed there. Just slow it down. You don't ever want to do that with anybody. If I go down to like 0.75, you'll go, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> but that's all I'm going to give you today. Go, go back, please. Hang out with those things. Great concepts. Ministry team, those here, when you head over the wall. Let me say this. This amazing everything. I, I, the more that you read the Bible and hang on with it, the more of this stuff falls into place. And it's just like, oh, you, you, you'll have those moments where you're like, what? look at this. And and. That's my heart for you. And your story begins when, when you make this connection with Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I want you to know Him. 
And it all starts, he's done everything needed to happen. It all starts when we say yes. It's really just saying, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And if you've never done it, please do it right now. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. That's the beginning of everything that matters. And I encourage you, do it today. Amen. I often have that Emmaus Road chapter in my head when I take communion. Next time you're taking communion, think about this service and think about, um, you know, Lord, let my eyes open as I do have your body and your blood in remembrance of you open my eyes. So that's just a tip. But Miss Angie has something I'd like her to share with you. Pastor Angie, I'm so sorry. Pastor Angie. I just wanted to do... I. I saw this in both services during worship, during Kim's song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. I could hear you guys. I mean, loud. It was the most beautiful sound. And I saw a type of smoke in the middle of the room going up. And Holy Spirit spoke to me that their praise is a sweet aroma rising up right now. And I saw Jesus turn to Father and say, I'll be right back. I'm going to one of my favorite places, the Keys Vineyard. And he stood in our midst, and in the midst of the sweet aroma, he was breathing so deeply in and smiling with a huge smile on his face. And then he began to turn and pour it back out on us. And I heard him singing over us as a church, I now pour my love on you like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart. I pour my love on you and I lavish my perfume on you. See, he loves us so deeply. Good job. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, who's right? Uh, thank you, church for your amazing generosity. We've had the food truck out. I'd love to brag on the food truck. They were at the Special Olympics and then yesterday down at the Orchid Festival. So we'll go anywhere. Just blessing people with free ice cream and free snow cones and the love of God. And thank you. Your generosity makes all that happen and we appreciate it. Let's sing doxology and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Ministry team is over there. Get prayer if you need it for anything. Looks like a nice day out there. Get out there, catch some fish, have some fun. Hope your team wins, your driver wins. Be kind. Please be kind in the parking lot. That's important. These doors are open before you head out this way. We'll see you soon. Thanks for, ooh, I hit the table. I'm okay. Thanks for watching online. God bless you guys. And uh, next week, Matthew 6, is going to be a lot of fun when uh, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Fascinating That's little right. passage. That's a good one. I'm uh, looking uh, forward yeah. to that. Good message today, honey. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate that. You guys have a great week, okay? Right. Bye-bye. Bye.